Well, there has been an awful lot taking place over these last six months. And we've really had a focus on discerning how God wants new life to live out its mission of taking Jesus' love to every person in the Georgian Triangle around us during this weird time. And your generosity in giving has enabled us to work with a number of groups in our community who have feet on the ground in some areas of need. We have an opportunity to participate in giving together again today. If you're here with us in person, we have a donation box at the back of the auditorium that you can use as you're heading out today. If you're joining us from home, you can go to newlifecollingwood.com give to discover how you can participate online by text or by using the Church Center app. While we're doing that, we want to share a story with you about how your generosity has been making a difference. So why don't you start with your name? Okay, so my name is Dana Kaluzny, and I manage the food and meal program for South Georgian Bay's emergency shelter out of the cold Collingwood. The emergency shelter serves people who are experiencing homelessness. We have provide 24-7 support um, as of the COVID response. Um, we have up to 12 guests with us at one time, and we're also a connection to other services. So coordinated support between um, whether it's legal support or tax clinics or um, huge housing supports, um, food security um, outside of this program, you name it, we're, we're connecting based on the guest needs. Yeah, so I'm thrilled to be in uh, the New Life Kitchen and to say that it is now officially the home of the food and meal program. Um, when the COVID response um, took place and the shelter that we were in closed, um, we needed a home for this program separate from where the guests were staying and New Life offered their support, um, offered the space to us at no charge. And since then, it's just been a brilliant partnership. We've had volunteers who are members here at New Life who are cooking for the program. We also have volunteers who assemble meal bins who um, are here with New Life as well. So it's just been an, an amazing partnership and hopefully will continue um, while this program runs. So I'm very excited to say that um, since this program started in December 2nd, 2019 um, to present day, so September 10th, um, we have served approximately 3,400 meals and um, given out numerous gift cards, whether that be for Tim Hortons or grocery gift cards. Um, and if you equate $10 for every meal, that means that that's $34,000 of savings that didn't have to come out of any um, funding reserves. So it's pretty incredible when you think about that 100% of those meals and the food items that go in the guest meal bins are all from community donations. And so it really shows the amount of generosity and community support here in South Georgian Bay. So we're, we're always looking for new meal donors. Um, I say whatever is available for you right now. So that could be sharing this program and the opportunities to be a donor um, with friends or family. 
that could be connecting um, with me directly to see about um, becoming a meal donor, that could be going to the grocery store, seeing a sale on non-perishable items and buying extras to donate to the shelter. Um, that could even be um, one thing that's a huge need all the time is plastic containers. A lot of the meals we get are large portion sizes and so we portion them into individuals and that requires a lot of containers and we have a sustainability approach where we get the containers back but sometimes we don't get them all back. So if you have um, takeout containers, yogurt containers, cottage cheese containers, any kind of plastic medium-sized containers, wash them and donate them to our program. We will wash and sterilize them and we will use them. And it's just a huge also sustainability um, endeavor to make sure that things that might go to recycling or garbage end up getting used for another purpose. And if you have any questions about the program or anything that I just said, you'd like to learn more, if you'd like to see how you can donate, um, you can email me directly at OOTC meals, M-E-A-L-S, at communityconnection.ca. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Good morning. That is uh, so cool to hear that story. Why don't we take a uh, moment and actually just um, center ourselves around the Lord and, and join our hearts in prayer. Father, thank you for uh, the opportunity to, um, even along with the series Practice Hospitality, in the partnership that we've been developing with Out of the Cold. Thank you for people like Dana, who, uh, who work hard at coordinating all the volunteers and the meals uh, for the people. Thank you for Community Connection and their involvement uh, with it. And thank you for the many people at New Life who have stepped up and been donating their uh, meals, been donating their time, been donating uh, finances. Uh, thank you for the privilege of, of hosting them here in our kitchen. And uh, even in the midst of a chaotic summer with all the things happening in the kitchen, we're glad that they've been flexible to work with us. And uh, Father, we are grateful to be here this morning and uh, to be both uh, present in person and online and to recognize that, uh, that not only here on Sunday, but every day of the week, the Spirit of Christ is, who is alive in us is drawing us into himself drawing us closer together. And, and we celebrate that uh, you are a God that is always at work, always involved, and always uh, inviting us to partner with you uh, in mission and in ministry and serving one another and in loving them the way that you have loved us, Christ. So this morning, as we, as we stop and we reflect May we have hearts that are open to hearing from you this morning, and then may we have the courage and the will to take what you are speaking to us today and seeing it become a part of our lives for the remainder of this week. We want to just stop and, and pause for a moment and recognize our Creator recognize our Lord, recognize uh, our shepherd, our father, 
the one who loves us, the one who longs for us to be whole and complete, to be without fear, to be renewed, restored. When we breathe in, we receive from you. And as we exhale, we let go of our worries and our fears. Thank you for this moment. Amen. Amen. I got to tell you, it is so good to have you here this morning. And it feels a little bit weird. You're used to going to the grocery store and having the mask and pushing the cart. And, and uh, I'm just wondering if, you, if you, any of you thought that maybe we'd have those giant bubbles waiting for you uh, when you came in, if you saw that video that we had put out earlier in the summer. So it's a little bit different, but it's also good. It's good to see many of you here. It's good to know that many of you are joining us online. I want to ask you uh, really a question, and, and the question is simply this. What went wrong with hospitality? When you think of the word hospitality, what comes to mind for you? Is it opening your home to a stranger, giving that stranger a warm bed, new clothes, fresh meal? Not likely. It's likely when you think of the word hospitality or that term, you think of something like this. Uh, the bell on the counter and you have uh, the people behind the counter at the hotel that are waiting to receive you. Uh, you are a stranger, you're in a new place, you need somewhere to rest, to sleep, and in our world now, when people think of the word hospitality, this is what they think of, the hospitality industry. Hospitality has become something that we have um, given to professionals to take people in and for a fee, provide them with a, with a nice place to stay and some meals that they can have. And it's not that that's necessarily wrong, but I do ask the question, what went wrong with hospitality? Because I wonder if we have lost the art of hospitality somewhat in our culture. And I think what we're experiencing today has a lot of connection with the ability to practice hospitality and to do that well. We are in a world of isolation. We are in a world of circles of 10 or bubbles of 10, of distancing, of people wearing masks and we don't recognize them. How many of you have seen somebody that walked up to you and said, oh, hi, and you're looking at them and going like, Hi, I have no idea who you are, but it's great to see you. And, and even this morning, there were a few people that walked in, uh, and, and I just, I didn't know who it was because their whole face is covered up. And it creates a little bit of, of suspicion. 
Because you're also wondering, and those of you particularly who are here in person, like those people that are six feet from you, you might just be wondering, like, gee, where have they been this weekend? Did they go down to the city? Like, are, are those people from the city? Are they up here? What's going on? And we're doing that everywhere. We're in this heightened sense of, of protecting ourselves. And it's in that world that I think we have this wonderful opportunity to not only reinvent hospitality, but rediscover it first. And then think about how do we do this in this new day and age? Because as we talk through this series about hospitality, you are going to be wondering, how do I practice hospitality when I can't just have 20 people in my house at a given time? And this is going to be the fun of the next four weeks is, is being creative and thinking through how do we do this? And this morning is about helping us rediscover the hospitality that God has given to us and letting that impact us in a way that our, our response of hospitality comes out of that awareness and out of that rediscovery. It is time for the church to reinvent hospitality. It is time for us to reinvent hospitality. And we've chosen a verse for this whole series, and it's this, Romans 12, 13. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice hospitality. The Apostle Paul wrote this to a group of Christians uh, in the city of Rome, this big city. And he wrote this letter to them. And in chapter 12, verse 13, he gives them this command. He says, practice hospitality. In fact, be eager to practice it. Now, that sounds like a command. And, and instantly, for many of us, we hear that and we think, okay, i got to do this. I've got to do this. But I want you to recognize something really important here this morning. All of you here and those of you watching this is chapter 12, verse 13. That means that all of Romans chapter 1, 1, all the way through to Romans chapter 12, 12, precedes this. And in those 12 chapters that the Apostle Paul writes, he does something uh, very profound, and he reminds the people of everything that God has done for them. So before Paul ever gets to this command for us to consider um, following, what he does is he says, God has shown you hospitality. God has been hospitable to you. And he uses language about God inviting us into his family, about God adopting us as his children. And he talks about the fact that when we were strangers to God, he uses the word uh, in Romans 5, 8, when we were still sinners. In other words, when we were estranged from God, we were distant from him, we didn't know him, God chose to love us. God chose to be hospitable towards us. And as you read through Romans, coming into Romans chapter 9, 10, and 11, what you begin to realize is the Apostle Paul is saying, God has made it possible for everyone to be welcomed into his family, into his home, into his kingdom. It is something that God does for everyone through the person of Jesus. He is hospitable and shows mercy for everyone because God has done all of this for you and for you and for you, for me, 
And we are aware of that. We've discovered and we've experienced and we've felt the hospitality of God. Now we're able to be eager and willing and, and actually become excellent at practicing hospitality. When you experience God's hospitality, when you have that opportunity to feel the welcoming of God into his family, into his home, you begin to realize something. There's no hierarchy in, in God's household. And that is something that I'm convinced most of us are spending our lives trying to understand. When we follow Jesus, there is no hierarchy. There's no other there's no us and them. There's no, like, okay, male and female. Or if you prefer, female and male. There's none of that. There's no educated and uneducated. There's no um, certain culture and ethnicity compared to this culture and ethnicity. In Christ, all of that is eliminated. The boundaries and the exclusions are blown out of the way. And when we experience the hospitality of God, it is the same love, it is the same uh, self-sacrifice, it is the same grace and mercy that is extended to everybody equally. And when we're invited into that household, part of our undoing is, is to allow him to open our minds to that reality, that in Christ we are one. And when we are in a community that is growing in its ability to live out that truth, there's nothing more beautiful. That is the hospitality of God for us. Now, this word hospitality, we're going to do a little bit of, a little bit of language learning here this morning, okay? So here's the word, philoxenia. And it's really, it's a compound word. It's two words put together. Uh, philos, which is the word for love, and xenia, or the root of that is xenos, which is where we get our word stranger. So xenophobia is to be afraid of the stranger. Philoxenia is to love the stranger. And so the word hospitality, when we read that in the scriptures, almost always it is this word philoxenia, to love the stranger. And that is exactly what God has done for me and for you and for you. When we were strangers, God chose to love us. When we were strangers, he invited us in. When we were strangers, God clothed us. He gave us new clothes, fresh clothes, clean clothes. He gives us himself as our nourishment. All when we were strangers, God has chosen to love us. And it's out of that awareness and that realization that the Apostle Paul says, as Christ followers, as people who choose to intentionally say, I associate with Jesus and I follow him, out of that awareness, he writes, always be eager to practice hospitality. What kind of hospitality? I would just encourage us to, to live out the hospitality that Jesus has modeled for us, the hospitality of Jesus or according to Jesus. So I, I want to read a passage of scripture here for you. It's in, in Luke 14, beginning at verse 1. And, and we read this. 
One Sabbath day, Jesus went to eat dinner in the home of a leader of the Pharisees, and the people were watching him closely. On a Sabbath, Jesus went to eat dinner. Doesn't that sound like hospitality? Isn't Jesus being wonderfully hospitable in this moment? He went to the home of a Pharisee to eat dinner. Isn't he being a great host? Or am I getting confused? Jesus isn't the one giving the hospitality here, is he? He's receiving hospitality. And what you will find again and again as you read through the life of Jesus is that he is in the home of somebody else and he is learn- he's not learning, he is receiving hospitality. And I think reinventing and rediscovering hospitality is for us to realize that it involves both the giving and the receiving. Now, if you're like me, because of the culture that we live in, and I say this a lot, we are always influenced by our culture. I love it when people say, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want. And then you just start to ask questions. Really? You're really free. So you're not influenced by anybody or anything in the choices that you make. So companies are spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on on marketing, um, but it really isn't working on you. It works on everybody else, but it doesn't work on you. See, we are influenced by our culture, and it's like asking a fish to describe water. We are immersed in it, and it's actually a, a, a practice to step out and to discern. And if you're like me, you often think of hospitality as something that you give. In fact, we have a hard time in our culture receiving. If your neighbor comes over and offers you something, you know, or you have to go to your neighbor and ask to borrow something, what is going on in your mind? I need to make sure I remember this so that I can pay that back later. And that's this counterfeit hospitality that we are so used to, we become so accustomed to, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But here's Jesus receiving hospitality. And hospitality is to both give and to receive. I want to read a quote for you from Rosaria Butterfield. And she's written a book called The Gospel Comes with a House Key. And she says this, Sometimes I play the posture of host, obeying God's commands, and sometimes I am the role of guest receiving nourishment and care. And then she writes this. But we are always one or the other. We are either hosts or we are guests. The Christian life makes no room for independent agents, onlookers, renters, and we must see how the principle of both giving and receiving builds a community and glorifies God. And I love that. There's, there's no sitting on the outside looking in. We are either giving or we receiving hospitality to people in our lives. And I think Jesus models that for us wonderfully. Now, as you read through chapter 14, I I just walk you through this a little bit. So Jesus is in the home of, of this Pharisee, this religious leader, and he's having dinner, and people are watching him. Did you did you catch that if we go back, if we go back to the other one? Um Yeah, and the people were watching him closely. See, it's not like our private homes today. Homes were open. There were often courtyards where meals were held. And and not only would the invited guests be there, but there'd be people on the outside who were watching these meals take place. And and people are watching Jesus closely. And there's a man there who has dropsy. It's it's a 
um, disease where your limbs swell out, often grotesquely, and Jesus heals this man. And of course, he's challenging the religious leaders because they're thinking, you can't do that. See, hospitality didn't extend to that man because he was other, he was different. And yet Jesus, in the midst of being in this leader's home, Jesus extends hospitality to the man with dropsy, and he heals him. And then he, not only are the people watching closely, but Jesus was watching the other guests in this meal, and he sees them vying for positions of importance around the table. You have the head of the table, and the closer you are to the head of the table, the more important you are. And he sees people trying to sit closest to the head of the table, and he gives them a teaching about humility, where he essentially says, sit at the, at the far end and then be moved up. And then he says this to the host, and I find this interesting. So Jesus has received the hospitality of this host, but the man with dropsy didn't receive the hospitality of the host because he was a stranger. And then we read this in verse, um, where am I? Verse 12, yes, yes. So then he turned to his host and he said this, when you put on a luncheon or a banquet, don't invite your friends, brothers, relatives, rich neighbors. They'll invite you back, and that will be your only reward. Instead, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And then at the resurrection of the righteous, God will reward you for inviting those who could not repay you. The poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, the people who cannot repay you. And that's essentially... Uh, in many respects, the way we were with God and sometimes the way we still are with God. And God extends his hospitality to us. And it is not counterfeit. He loves the stranger. And here's Jesus saying, when you want to really capture the heart of hospitality, love the stranger. And I think there's... And I want to be clear, there's, there's not this element of, hey, we, we can't love people, that we, you know, we, can't, um, we can't have friends over. So we're not saying that this morning. Um, you know, have friends over, do that, enjoy it, because we need that in our lives. But the idea of hospitality according to Jesus goes way beyond that and says we intentionally look for people who are other, who are stranger, and we extend hospitality to them. We give of ourselves to them. And we are also willing to receive from them. It's the giving and the receiving that Jesus calls us into. And when we realize what God has done for us, then it helps us spot the counterfeit hospitality. So let's look at characteristics of counterfeit hospitality. It keeps the host and the guest separated. When you go into a hotel, there's that lovely counter there. You have the host, you are the guest, and there are strings attached. What are the strings? If you pay us, we will give you the hospitality that you need. And counterfeit hospitality in our culture, if you think about it, often keeps the host and the guest. Everybody knows who the host is and everybody knows who the guest is. And when we are in a family like this, the hospitality should be giving and, and receiving and flowing back and forth among people so that there is no host and guest. There is no noble giver and lowly receiver. And whenever we are doing things for people and there's this sense of, you know, I can do this for you because I know that someday you're going to be there for me or it's going to come back. And that's just that sense of spotting counterfeit hospitality in our culture. And there's a lot of it. And we have this wonderful gift of just living out the hospitality of Jesus in a way that 
that doesn't keep us separated and doesn't come with strings. And so the hospitality of Jesus in those verses that we just read has these characteristics. It focuses on those that that you tend to ignore. You know what I'm talking about. Those people that that are very easy for you to ignore. And that's not always just the poor people or the lame people, although often in our society we do a great job of just keeping them out on the margins, right? And when they're out on the margins and we live in the center, we don't really see them, so out of sight, out of mind. But there are also lots of people in your life that you just feel like they just need to be ignored. And, and, And this weird thing about what God does for us is he invites us to extend his love and his hospitality to those very people. And so sometimes in your life, you aren't always being eager to practice hospitality. You're being dragged, kicking, and screaming into extending hospitality. But then you realize something. When you did that, and you looked back on it, you realized that you met Jesus there. Hospitality involves risk, because hospitality is to love the stranger, and love always includes risk. Because you risk the fact that they will not receive it well. And they may not reciprocate. They might not be able to reciprocate, but they might choose not to reciprocate. And so hospitality involves risk. But also we remember that God took a great risk in extending his hospitality to us. Because at any given moment, we can just shove that back in his face and say, I don't want that. And that's what God does for us. In this series about reinventing hospitality, I wanted to spend today and actually talk about rediscovering it. Rediscovering the heart of what God has done for us in inviting us in. And realizing that now more than ever, our world needs us in the church to recapture this. Everybody in this room, except me, has a mask on. And those of you that are closest have to be like 25 to 30 feet away. I'm pretty sure my spit doesn't fly that far. And I'm not trying to speak moistly. I just knew that would come out somewhere. Our world world needs this. Because everything is different. Anxiety is through the roof in a lot of people. Depression is through the roof in a lot of people. In a couple of weeks, we're going to talk about hospitality and mental health. They need us to become aware of what God has done for us and to live in that. And then out of that will will be the expression of hospitality. In a world of isolation, one act of genuine hospitality is worth a month of Sundays. And the hospitality, you know, it's not about being big. It's, hospitality happens best in twos and threes and fours. In God's home, there is no hierarchy. You don't start with having, I'm of so much worth or I'm a lowly worm. You start with the awareness that you are fundamentally loved. 
So if you're a person that thinks, I am utterly and, and totally depraved and there's nothing good in me, that may just leave you in a life of shame. Or you might think, hey, we're all generally good and we just work out of that goodness and that leads you into a life of pride where Jesus invites us to have the starting point of this realization, you are fundamentally loved. That's who you are. Start there. And he'll deal with the depravity and he'll deal with the goodness. And he will make you into who you are meant to be. So where do you start then with hospitality? Start with what you can do. Because you might think, and this is the paralyzing thing that happens to us, I don't know where to start. Well, what can you do? Can you have 50 people to your house now and have a wonderful party and, and just be totally hospitable to them? Of course you can't. Can you talk with your neighbor? You can. Can you make a meal? You can. Can you wash out your yogurt container and save it and then bring it here to the church and then we'll get it to the out of the cold program? Yes, you can. Can you give 10 minutes to somebody who just needs to talk and make them feel valued, make them feel listened to? Yes, you can. So start with what you can do. And then start with what you have. Next week, we're going to explore this a whole lot more. And, and I'm going to encourage you, be creative. Start thinking now. What do you have that you can use? What do you have that you can give? Some of you have a lot. Some of you have not so much. But don't worry about what you don't have. I'm not a great host. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm glad you're here. Um, I've got toast. Uh, if that's what you have, start there. Start small. Again, one small act is worth so much. It doesn't have to be big. It doesn't have to be um, over the top. It's just small. Start today. Isn't it great to be back here in person, those of you who are here in person? I am so looking forward to, to just seeing you go and hearing some of you say, that was a great sermon, Pastor. <laughs> I miss that. When you talk to a camera lens for six months, nobody says that. The guys who are working in the, the booth behind, they just say, okay, great, let's go. <laughs> Done. Get out of here. No, and we do that. We, we'll think, hey, that was great. And then on we go. So can I encourage you? Start today. Be hospitable today. With, with what you can do in some small way. Love a stranger. Invite a friend. Do it with somebody else. It's, it's just, it's, um, it, yeah. I'll just leave it at that. This whole series is based around this idea of what Paul said. Always be eager to practice hospitality. It is Jesus' way. And, and I'm excited about being creative with you on how we can do that in the next three weeks. Let's pray. Lord, give us the eyes of Jesus to see our neighbors and the strangers that we meet.
Teach us what it means to love the stranger as we love ourselves. Forgive us for our selfishness, for our silence, for not caring enough for the strangers who come into our communities. Teach us to love and care for the stranger the way that you do. The way that you have loved us and been hospitable to us. May our hospitality flow out of that beautiful truth. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for joining us online. We will see you next Sunday as we look at hospitality using what you have. Bye for now.